My name is Brandy, and I have served as an elder here at TNL for several years. TNL has actually been my home church for half of my life. If you've never heard me teach before, it's because I haven't. So I'm not nervous at all, obviously. Um, I'm super excited to be up here because I love the Bible, and I want you to love the Bible. I want everyone to love the Bible. Um, so much so, I decided to go back to school and work on a degree in biblical studies. So while my girls don't understand why I would inflict homework on myself again, here we are. My inner nerd is loving it. <laughs> so um, tonight, we are going to be finishing the series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be talking about how the Spirit is moving and breathing in us, even when we can't feel it. I'm going to take a drink of water. Should have taken the lid off first. All right. So my understanding of the Holy Spirit was shaped growing up in an Assemblies of God church. Some of you get what that means. Some of you have no idea what that means. So take TNL and think of a church that is like the opposite. So bright, not very loud. I was gonna say medium level music, happy clappy music, um, pastors praying in tongues, Occasionally, someone might stand up during a sermon and speak a loud prophetic word from the Lord, okay? We can't even get you guys to say Happy Tuesday, right? So the opposite. <laughs> in the church I grew up in, gifts of the Spirit were highly sought after, highly praised, and I'm not saying that these gifts, like praying in tongues, or having visions aren't important or that they don't have a place, but I didn't have them. But man, did I pray for them. In high school, specifically, I remember driving down to Colorado Springs for this youth conference, and it was at a mega church sanctuary packed with thousands of people. People are crying and speaking in tongues and singing with their arms wide open, just praying the Spirit into this place. So I'm seeing all these people around me having this beautiful experience with the Spirit, and I wanted it. So I sat there with open hands and an open heart, and I felt nothing. Nothing except disappointment and exile. Because I couldn't feel the spirit that day. Or at least not in the way I had been taught to. So the message that I heard was that the presence of God in my life was equal to my ability to do weird things. Pray in tongues, have visions, etc. So... Whenever I asked about it, I was told, just keep praying. 
because if I couldn't pray in tongues, then I didn't have the spirit, so I must not be saved. So, lots of doubt. Eventually, I armored myself with skepticism and chalked those charismatic people up as crazy. I had grown up my whole life in the church, but no one had told me that the spirit was in me already, moving and breathing, even when I couldn't feel it. Tonight's lesson is what I wish I could have heard when I was younger. So what about you? What is your relationship to the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've also attended a church that overemphasized the Spirit. So maybe you're wounded or skeptical. Maybe you've been to a church that doesn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had a mystical experience in your life and you don't know what that could sound like or feel like. I've heard people say that the Spirit is the least knowable member of the Trinity, but that's actually the farthest thing from what the Bible says about the Spirit. So what does the Bible say? First of all, I think it's important to remember, or maybe here for the first time, the Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. You need all three. They all have distinct personalities and roles. And like Phil taught at the start of creation, they're all present. So we have the spirit or ruach. Remember that word? You have to when you say it. This Hebrew word means spirit, breath, wind. So we see the spirit brooding over the earth like a mother bird breathing her life-giving breath. And then God the Father speaks everything into existence by his word, which is the Son. So this word ruach proves the Spirit was present and active at creation, and we see that word used throughout the Old Testament. So we're going to go deep into the Old Testament tonight to a book called Ezekiel. Ezekiel found God's spirit in a place that he was not expecting. And his story echoes the creation story, but it's weird, like Halloween special episode, weird. So we're going to have skeletons like these, not like these, not like these cute cocoa skeletons, which I love but more like these, a little bit creepy. We're going to get to that, but first I want to acknowledge some background information. Ezekiel is weird. It's super weird. It's not well known. It's not often taught in church. You've maybe never heard of it before. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament is unfamiliar to us, so it helps to remember that when we read the Old Testament, we remember that every book has a genre, an audience, and a purpose. So the book of Ezekiel is one of the major prophets, which just means he had a lot to say. 
He was writing his book for the Israelites when they're in exile, which Phil talked about last week. And he is also in exile. His book serves the purpose of um, emphasizing the glory of God versus the sinfulness of the Israelites. And because it's a prophetic book, it is full of weird visions and symbolism. It's not supposed to be taken literally. So in my opinion, this is not a book that we try to emulate or even fully understand. In fact, some of it is really hard to read because it is dark and it's heavy. So much so that rabbis actually forbade Jews under the age of 30 from reading certain parts of this book. It's kind of like the OG of banned books. But if it wasn't of value, if it didn't have a um, universal biblical truth, it wouldn't be in the Bible. We believe that the Spirit inspired the words of the authors who wrote the Bible. And then I believe that this continued as the Spirit illuminated the hearts and minds of the people who compiled the Bible, the ancient believers that compiled it. So the Bible that we have today is absolutely full of the Spirit. So it's a long book. It's really weird. We don't have enough time to get into most of it. So tonight is going to be a bit more of a highlight reel. So let's jump in. I've introduced Ezekiel to you. He is a prophet, but he has actually been raised to be a priest. What is the difference? A priest spoke to God for the people, and a prophet spoke to the people for God. He gets to do both. So we know he's a priest because in the first verses, he calls himself Ezekiel the priest. Fairly straightforward. As chapter one begins, he is in his 30th year, which is the year in which he would have been made a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. But instead, he finds himself in Babylon. And all of God's people are in exile now. They had all but abandoned their faith and God had allowed them to be overcome and exiled. So Ezekiel is writing to these people who were divided and dispersed, disgraced and hopeless. They certainly could not see God now. They weren't even looking. God's people were lost. Likely, Ezekiel wondered the same thing. What now? If God had abandoned his chosen people, what was left to hope for? Does anything in your life feel hopeless? I've been there. Not in literal imprisonment in a foreign country, but life has felt like exile. 
when the darkness and the sadness feel like they're winning? So what about you? Have you been there? Maybe you are there now. Because I know people here who have felt exiled through struggles with mental health. For me, undiagnosed depression. I know some of you have felt exiled when trusted relationships crumbled in your life. I know some of you have felt exiled after miscarriages and sudden deaths of friends and family. My friend and neighbor, Amy, has terminal cancer. Cancer is an exile. And like me, I know some of you are also walking in exile alongside people you know who are dying. So what do we do when God doesn't show up the way we hoped? When the miracle doesn't come? Thinking of our own exiles allows us to put ourselves into the shoes of the Israelites who are feeling despair. But in chapter one of Ezekiel, the unexpected happens. The sky opens up and our priestly prophet feels the hand of God take hold of him. God meets Ezekiel at a river, not in the temple, in pagan Babylon, not in Jerusalem, in the midst of sinful, hopeless people, not in the midst of people who were fulfilling their call as the light to the nations. God is introducing Ezekiel to the spirit who is moving and breathing in him even when he can't feel it. And if God's spirit wasn't contained to the temple the way that the Jews had always been taught, there was no empire beyond God's reach. So we're going to skip forward to chapter 11, where God tells Ezekiel to tell the Israelites in verse 16, true, I sent you to the far country and scattered you through other lands. I will gather you back from those countries and lands where you've been scattered and give you back the land of Israel. So right away, God comes to Ezekiel and we have an instant reason for hope. God goes on in his promise to say, and this might sound familiar to you, verse 19, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll cut out your stone heart and replace it with the red-blooded, firm-muscled heart. Then you'll obey my statutes and be careful to obey my commands. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. So God is promising that after this time of judgment, he's going to put a what? A new ruach, spirit, in his people by essentially performing an open heart surgery, which is weird. The spirit is God's promise to us and to Israel that God has not abandoned you. 
God will never give up on us. But wait, some of you are thinking, you told me there'd be skeletons. So these verses in chapter 11 kind of work as a foreshadow to chapter 37, which is where we're going to now. And in chapter 37, this is one of Ezekiel's most well-known visions. So if you've learned anything from Ezekiel, you've probably heard this story. The spirit takes Ezekiel and leads him into a literal valley of death. So this is a valley filled with bones. Not bodies, but bones. Sun-bleached, dry, old bones. So think elephant graveyard scene of The Lion King. Yeah, that, because I love Disney. God asks Ezekiel in the middle of this creepy valley, can these bones live? And Zeke is a smart guy. He doesn't say yes, but he doesn't say no. He knew that God could bring the bones to life, but he didn't know if God would. So let's find out. God tells Ezekiel to speak to the bones. All right, dry bones, listen to the message of God. Watch this, I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. As soon as Ezekiel starts speaking these words, there's a sound growing and spreading, rattling bones everywhere as they come together and start forming bodies, bone to bone, forming joints, layer by layer, ligaments, muscles, skin, corpses. Now we have a valley of corpses. <laughs> and I'm not sure that that's better. Here is where Ezekiel's vision echoes the creation story of Genesis 2. So when we read the Bible, this is a quick aside, God's word is attuned to itself or it mirrors itself. So a lot of times the author is remembering something that God has revealed in the past about himself or his people, and they're applying that revelation to their current circumstance. So as Ezekiel, by the power of the Spirit, forms bodies with bones, we think of God forming Adam out of the dirt. But when he formed him from the dirt, he still wasn't alive. Something was still missing. Any guesses? Nobody? Spirit? Ruach? You're right. You've been listening. <laughs> so, just like Adam wasn't yet alive until he received God's spirit, these bodies weren't alive until God tells Ezekiel to speak to them. This time he's speaking to the breath or the wind. Prophecy, 
prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, tell the breath, God the master says, come from the four winds. Come, breathe. Breathe on these slain bodies and breathe life. Another aside about reading the Bible. Anytime you find a word or a verse repeated, take note. It's important. Repetition emphasizes importance. And repetition emphasizes importance. There's some chuckles out there. Remember, ruach can mean breath, wind, spirit. I counted five ruachs in that, that verse. The spirit's present is the heart of this passage. Again, Ezekiel does what he's told, and all of the people, all these bodies come to life with the breath of God and stand up on their feet and form an army. And God explains that this army is a physical representation of the people of Israel who have been crying out, as we see in verse 11, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There is nothing left of us. And again, we think of our own exile, our own despairs. The thing that feels most hopeless. Because God still has one last message for Ezekiel to speak, and this time it's to God's people. God says, when I dig up graves and bring you out as my people, you'll realize that I am God. I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. Then I'll lead you straight back to your land and you'll realize that I am God. When all hope is seemingly gone, the spirit still breathes new life. So Ezekiel, he would never forget this super creepy encounter, I'm sure. But God's people didn't get to experience this vision. We didn't get to experience this vision. So we have Ezekiel, who is the poster child of the church I grew up in, whereas I still have not experienced crazy visions, although now I'm not sure that I mind. And I don't pray in tongues. So I could be super skeptical. I could brush this story off. Because if I put my attention on Ezekiel, I miss the message of God. Do I want the experience or do I want the spirit? Do I want to be Ezekiel or do I want to be me? Because God has not yet given me crazy visions or the ability to speak in tongues, but he has filled me with the spirit. In Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, my homeboy Paul writes, God's spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. I love this. 
I wish someone had taught me this. Because when I know the spirit is in me, I can stop doubting God's presence. I can stop asking God, where are you? And instead look for the evidence of what he's doing. For me, the evidence sometimes comes in nudges. Specifically, when I'm out walking my dogs. I think it's because I'm the least distracted at that point, and my mind can just wander. So sometimes I might get this thought of, I should text that friend who's sick and see if they need a meal. Sometimes there's a song playing on a loop in my brain. Sometimes it's a totally random thought that I immediately cast aside. That's silly. And recently, this happened to me. So lately, I've been sharing some strong words with God about my friend Amy's cancer. Because I'm angry. But he can handle it. So sometimes I'm just mad. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I beg for the presence of the Spirit to be so tangible to her family. And one time, this random thought comes to my mind. You should write Amy's stories. I am not an author. I struggle to write papers for school. This is weird. Would she even want this? I am not going to ask her. Fast forward a couple days. I'm hanging out with Amy, and she's telling me her therapist has asked her to consider writing some of her memories for her husband and her kids when she's gone. And she's struggling because her hand is shaking she can't find the words. She can't complete the sentences. <laughs> this was not a coincidence. I told her about my crazy random thought, and she said, yes, I would love for you to help me write my stories. This is the evidence of the Spirit working in my life and in Amy's life. So what do we do with that? Well, I'm a Bible nerd, so I'm going to tell you to read your Bible. Because if we read the Bible, we know who God is, and we see how God works. So it helps when we want to see how God is working in our life. You can choose a verse like Ephesians 4.30, that God is moving and breathing in you, Write it on a card, stick it on your mirror, put it on the dashboard of your car, make it your lock screen on your phone, because we all look at our phones all the time. Memorize it or refer back to it, because there are times when God feels absent. So we meditate on the truth that he is in us. We can also make space to hear from the Spirit. So 
I view this as allowing your mind to wander toward God when you're doing mundane things or things that you love. So take your dogs for a walk. Go hiking. Take a bubble bath. That one is for Nikki, Joe, and Michaela, and I don't think either of them are in the room. Turn the music off in your car. Sit in your bed for a few minutes after waking or for a few minutes before you sleep. Take note of the Spirit's nudges. And lastly, we can join the Spirit's work. Because like Ezekiel, we have a part to play. What might the Spirit be nudging you to do? And bonus, if we start noticing what God's doing in our lives, we can notice what God is doing in other people's lives. So another example from my own life. I told you how I'm, all, I'm going back to school, and that took a lot of nudges for me to hear and accept that God was pushing me towards this. But eventually I enrolled in school. And it has taken considerably more nudges for me to be standing right here. <laughs> Some of you in this room have acted as God's nudges for me. So thank you. If we trust that the spirit is in us, even when we can't feel it, we can be a church full of people discovering the evidence of God's work all over our lives. I want that. The world needs more churches like that. Imagine what TNL could look like if we trust that the spirit is moving and breathing in us even when we can't feel it. Let's pray. Spirit of God, thank you for being with us in everything. Thank you for the life that you breathe in us. I just pray that we would start to see your movement and that we wouldn't be able to resist joining in the work that you're doing. Thank you for your love and your presence. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.